0: The following message is from Temple Bible Church. For more information about the church and its ministries, visit www.templebiblechurch.org. And once again, we just are so thankful for the guys and girls that lead us every week into worship. It's just an amazing uh, time as we get to kind of enter into God's presence in this season of life and season of the year um, one reminder just to, about the gift drive we still need lots of help when it comes to the gift drive we partner with uh, local elementary schools all over temple and so there's lots of families that are in need and if you go online to the hub you can find uh, ways that you can buy lots of gifts uh, be involved in our our luncheon we're going to do for these families coming up so please go online check that out and uh, be part of this awesome thing that brings our community together So we're uh, starting Advent today uh, in the topic of hope. Uh, Throughout this time, over the next four weeks, we're going to be going through John chapter 1. And so today we're going to be looking at John 1, 1 through 5, but lots of other passages that go with it. Uh, But John 1 through uh, chapter 1 will be our foundation over the next four weeks Coming off of baby dedication that we just had up on the stage, I found some uh, fitting pictures that might tie baby dedication even in with hope or lack thereof. If you want to check out the first slide here, uh, one, this, these are all posts from moms or dads online. Uh, this, these kids lost hope. I won't let him eat the cat's food. Uh, he wants to get on the bus, uh, the bus on the TV. Uh, let's see, I told him he had to stop biting the cat. Uh, The Golden Gate Bridge isn't actually made of gold. Uh, I wouldn't let him eat a battery for breakfast. Uh, Life is super tough when you can't pick up the book you want because you're sitting on it. Um, I don't know if anybody can relate to losing hope in that way, but I've seen all four of my kids lose hope in similar fashion, and I'm sure I did it many times. But besides being a good laugh, uh, this attitude, this pervasive attitude often happens to us, maybe not demonstrated specifically in this crazy way, but this attitude of life is over, nothing could be worse, the sky is falling. This mentality tends to pervade our sensibilities and it, it just pushes us to the brink in this journey called life and Even dealing with and coming out of the pandemic has pushed us in ways we never imagined. It's unprecedented. But for us, oftentimes we need a reminder that life isn't as horrible as it once was, or maybe that it will be. I don't know if this is encouraging. There's worse days to come. Should I even say that? But that's the reality. There's bad things that happen. Tough things happen, and even uh, I was at a conference and heard Tony Evans refer to this scripture, Second Chronicles 15:5 and 6. He says, in those times there was no peace to him who went out or to him who came in. Great disturbances afflicted all the inhabitants of the land. They were broken in pieces. Nation was crushed by nation, city by city. God troubled them with every sort of distress. So we can understand that this is something that happens, and it's, it's difficult. Difficult things come in our lives, but we can realize through John chapter one that we have the word capital W and we can find hope in that. You see, we're actually guaranteed trials and tribulations if we call ourselves believers. It's a fact. It's reality. Jesus' closest followers were guaranteed tribulation and we can be guaranteed that as well. But scripture also shows that the hope we have in Jesus far outweighs these trials Far outweighs these struggles. So, as we enter this Advent season, let's take some time to consider some aspects of this concept called hope that we can find in John chapter 1 and then leads us to Romans and leads us to Hebrews and other passages. We're going to look at four main observations on this subject of hope today. The first one is that hope is not bound by time. Look at John chapter 1. Verse 1 and 2, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. See, this Word was in the beginning, at creation. The Word, capital W, Jesus himself was there with God, creating all things, so he's not bound by time. You see, hope doesn't come and go, true hope. See, sometimes the holidays bring feelings of hope. But then, when they're over, they kind of fade away, right? But the hope we have in Jesus is an ongoing, constant stream. It's like a spring of water, as David describes it in Scripture often and often again, is, is the idea that it just continues. You, you look at this rock, and this water is coming out, and you're like, when does it end? And it never ends. That's the hope that's found in Jesus. It's a constant stream. See, we tend to look at life based on our circumstances, but Jesus' hope doesn't operate that way. Not only is it, is it not bound by time, but even under that idea is that it's a guarantee. I love what Paul says about hope in Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Through whom we have, through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. So here we have in verse 2, we see in this chapter in Romans 5, we see the grace in which we stand refers to our position, We have a standing position in grace. And then after that, we have a promise, which is the hope of the glory of God, this promise that we talked about that we wait patiently for, the glorification that we're perfected on the last day. It's a hope that results in joy. So it's not bound by time, but also hope, capital H, created all things. We can see that in verse 3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. We can see this all the way back to Genesis 1. Notice how John 1 and Genesis 1 begin the same way. In the beginning, right? In the beginning was the word. Well, if you go back to Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. But for a better understanding, a more accurate understanding of that, we can look to Genesis three twenty-six. that says, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the heavens, the livestock, and over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Notice that word us. God didn't say, "Let's let me make man in my image. He says us, meaning the light, Jesus, the capital W word was in the beginning. He was there with God along with the Spirit creating all things. And so here he is creating all things. He is not a created being. So this hope created all things. You know, I I hear when it it comes to the devastation that we see today, I hear people say, can you believe this? And you fill in the blank with whatever horrible is in the news today, right? Can you believe that so-and-so did this? Now, it could be on a level of friendship that so-and-so left their wife or their, their husband. Or it could be on a bigger scale, whether it's a tragedy, a shooting, or something like that. But they say, can you believe this? And my unfortunate answer is yes, I can. Why? Because I just look at how things are horrible all the time. No, because you don't know me, because a lot of times I like to ignore what's horrible and just look at what's good. And everything's good. And sometimes I need to be reminded things are bad, it's difficult. But it's not that. It's not because I just look and say, yeah, it, it's, it's just a hopeless thing. It's no, when people are living without hope, these are the results you get. When people don't know the light, the capital W word that was in the beginning of time, this is what happens. And so for us to, to experience this growing up, maybe some of you have experienced this where you've, you've basically been told you're here by chance. What kind of hope is that? You're not here by chance. God made you in his image through power of the sun. Been told that you're no different than an animal. How is that hopeful? But we can find in his word that there's a difference You see, this is much more hopeful than being told these things. Since Jesus, the essence of hope, is from the beginning of time, he created all things, and he's intimately involved in us being made in God's image, then we have the most hopeful existence. We have the most hopeful existence. And so as a result, let me admonish you a little bit today. If you don't know what that word means is, let me tell you the truth. You as a person of hope in Jesus should not be the one living and speaking despairing things. Right? The sky is falling attitude. I grew up in church. Literally. In my mother's womb, I was in church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, special meetings, revival, tent meetings, you name it, I was there. And I've been around a lot of professing Christians. And oftentimes, as I was growing up, I wanted to go to the basketball court and hang out with people that didn't believe in Jesus. Because it was depressing at times. Not being around my family. My dad, man, he pushed me to Jesus. And he showed me hope. But there's lots of believers out there who live lives of despair. And all you, when you're around them, you just want to leave. Because it's this despairing thought and you're like, hey, hello, there's hope here. There's a constant stream of it. And the reality is this, we can live in it and we can abound in it. And so for us, we can see that this hope is not bound by time. This hope comes from the author of hope who created all things. But also we can see that hope brings true, meaningful life in verse four. In him was life. The life was the light of men. So we can look at this concept as it relates to the light of men, this this gift of life that we have, this gift of light. And we can again go back to Romans 5. And it says that hope does not put us to shame. Another translation says hope does not disappoint. I like that translation. It just helps me understand a a little bit better. There's a lot of disappointment in life. But this hope does not disappoint. The reason... Again, in Romans 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So we have hope because the Spirit poured into us. Further down in Romans 5, in verse 15 to 17, we see a contrast between a trespass and the free gift. The free gift is not like the trespass, for many died through one man's trespass. Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. The free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification, for if, because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace... And the free gift of righteousness reign in the life through the one man, Jesus Christ. I loved reading this passage a few times this week, given this time of year we're entering into. Some of you are like, okay, everyone, now you can put up the Christmas decorations, right? Ours were up before Thanksgiving. You can slap me later. I just went along with it. But the idea is this. This season we're in, Right? The season we're in, when we think about gifts, here it is in this passage, in three verses, the free gift is mentioned five times. So when it comes to this light that we've been given, it is a gift. He is a gift. It reminds me of how Christmas presents work as a parent, right? I have four kids. So as a parent, You know, let's paint this scenario. As a parent, maybe one year, maybe Candice and I, we come together, we talk about gifts, and we're like, all right, let's do this a different way. Let's take the time to really think about our kids and how well they've behaved all year and which ones really excelled in school and which ones really worked really hard in their athletics or whatever it is. And then, uh, you know, when they come upstairs and we go around the living room and they close their eyes, cover their eyes and walk them over to their spot where they sit and then we have them open their eyes, some of them aren't going to have as much as the other one, right? Because it's all based on what they did. And so we'll pick on Sydney because she's the firstborn and sometimes can be an overachiever. We'll just pick on her and say, "This year, Sydney only gets two presents this big," and like Noah is just like you can't see him, right? And then Sydney opens her eyes and she's like, "What's going on? These are two gifts from Five Below on the sale. Is there a sale rack at Five Below? Uh, the sale rack of Five Below, and I can't even see Noah. What's the problem with this?" Fortunately, God doesn't do this with us. It's a free gift, a free gift that we get to receive. And this, it's offered to us through Jesus and the hope that comes with us. We see in this passage, one man's sin, Adam. What did it bring? Death, sin, pain, hopelessness. But the one man, capital M, Jesus brought justification, grace, righteousness, and eternal hope. So this free gift brings us hope. This light that has come into the world gives us hope. And lastly, hope is a light that outshines the darkness. Verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. The darkness cannot overcome it. I love that statement. It's so simple and basic. I mean, obviously, you walk in a dark room and light a candle and it's lit up. But the reality is that darkness cannot overcome. Sometimes you feel overcome by darkness you you feel overcome maybe even today by hopelessness. But that darkness cannot overcome the light, the light that has come into the world because of Jesus. We can have confidence in the promises of God. Now, I want you to understand something. We all need help at times. We all need good counseling at times. And even going to visit someone who's a professional, that's important, right? So if you ask me, is should Christians go and seek help? Absolutely. From a, a godly counselor, yes. Absolutely. But oftentimes, and even as I hear from people who are friends of mine that are professionals, or have spouses who are professionals, oftentimes what's happening is we are going to these counselors for hope, and that's it. And it's not partnered in any way with God's word. As we learn and as we see things about ourselves that need to change, it should be as part of our time in God's word. And oftentimes what we do is we go look and that's why counselors, we can't get into them for months because we're looking to them for something better and a better way to live. But we miss the conjunction here, which should trump any other counseling is God's word. Now, am I going to say just go to God's word and that'll fix everything? No, I'm not saying that. I started with counseling is good. I need it. But when we don't go to God's word and meditate on his promises, then oftentimes we lose hope. Hebrews 6, 17 and 18. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. Two unchangeable things, his promise and his oath. I don't know about you. When I read that, I was a little confused because I want to understand what's the difference. Sounds pretty similar. So I Googled it and looked at some commentaries to figure out what is the difference, right? Well, promise, the promise we have is we are grafted into God's family. We are heirs with Christ. So here's the promise. It's kind of like uh, my son Owen. My youngest son Owen has a thing where he has to go to bed with the lights on. Not just a little light on, like the lights on, right? And so he says to dad, hey, dad, uh, can you leave the light on? Make sure you leave the light on. Sometimes I turn it off on accident. Hey, turn that on, you know, and he kind of gets on my case about it. So, okay, I, oh, and I promise I'll leave. After we read together, I'll leave, and I will turn that not off, on. I'll make sure it's on. Okay, I'll leave it on. So that's my promise, right? Sometimes he double checks on me. But most of the nights he believes me, right? And so that's a basic thing. a promise, okay, I trust you. But an oath is something different. An oath goes further than that. If I was going to make an oath with Owen that I would leave that light on, you know what I would do in the Old Testament if I was living back then? I would get an animal. I would throw it down there. I would cut the animal in half, and I would walk in between it on its blood, and I would say, so should this happen to me if I don't keep my covenant or my oath to you. So the first thing is a promise. Now I trust you, dad. I'm going to believe that you'll turn and leave that light on. The second one layers it in a deeper way to say, you know what, human beings, we don't trust Jesus like we should. We don't trust Jesus. His word, We don't trust his promises like we should. And so what do we need? A further oath. And you know what that oath is? His son, Jesus, who was crucified on the cross. Here's my oath. I'll give you my only son. How about, how about that for an oath, right? So here he is, uh, in, in the commentary I read, Oaths are meant to add an extra layer of reassurance. If a person is fundamentally honest, then there's no purpose to such a vow other than that to make the other person feel better. But here in God's case, there can be nothing higher to swear on other than himself. And since God does not lie, whatever he promises and swears to do, he does. See, this can be that we can be assured that holding fast to Jesus will see us through the storms of life. This hope is our spiritual mooring. It keeps us from drifting. It's the anchor of our souls in the midst of the turmoil of life, the wind, the waves of pressure. Our hope in Jesus tethers us. Listen to Hebrews 6 going on in that passage in verse 19 and 20, this anchor of hope. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus is gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, an anchor of the soul, Last week, I got to go visit uh, my family in Philadelphia. And my dad, one of his dreams has been to take the grandkids back where he went to school at the US Naval Academy. So on Monday, we loaded up, uh, it looked like a clown car. We all loaded up, and we met. It was 15 grandkids and all of us siblings and my parents. We go to Annapolis, we spend the night, and then we get the tour. And in the tour, when we're taking this tour of the Naval Academy, we see all kinds of pictures of ships and every picture of a ship. I couldn't get one on the screen in time, but I just flew in yesterday. Uh, No excuse, Tim. I should have had one up there. But uh, we got this big anchor, and in the front of these ships, you got these huge anchors just hanging out in the front, right? And it just made me think, and it's kind of visual for me, this anchor of the soul that tethers me. And these ships get anchored, and the waves come, and the storms come, and they toss about. It doesn't mean that you're going to be firm and still, but as you toss about, you're tethered to the anchor of your soul, which is Jesus Christ. So this is the concept of hope. We're told also in Hebrews to hold fast. In verse ten twenty three, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. This idea of holding fast, we got this nautical theme going on in the writer of Hebrews. We still don't know who wrote it. Some think it's Paul, but others think it's others. And the reality is, whoever it was, was used to an understanding of nautical terms. Anchor of the soul and holding fast. The idea of holding fast comes, uh, the way we translated it comes from a Dutch word, which means to hold tight in regards to holding securely to ships, ropes, and rigging. It carries with it the understanding that the storms of life will always threaten our hope in God's bigger plan, but we're called to trust and hope in His goodness. The idea is this: if you're a sailor on one of those big uh, naval destroyers or a battleship, and you're in a storm and you still have to do your job, there are ropes, there are cables, and you hold on with one hand, and you're doing your job with the other. It's not, oh, hold on for dear life and and just get paralyzed. It's I'm holding on to the anchor of my soul. I'm holding fast to the one who created all things, who made me in his image, the one that was in the beginning of time. That's what I'm holding on to. This concept of holding fast is this major importance throughout Hebrews. He mentions it in 4.14, and then in, te- in, in the chapter we just read, in chapter 10. But he gives us what should result from hope. We've been challenged about hope, but think about what should result. Listen to the following verses after him saying, hold fast. Now let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Oftentimes we kind of rip these verses out of the Bible and made them stand alone, especially as pastors and saying, see, you should go to church, right? Yes, you should go to church. Yes, you should be in community. Yes, you should be involved with one another. But it all comes out of holding fast to the confession of your hope without wavering. And understanding that he is faithful, that's what brings true, valuable, deep community as we see here. That's what brings encouragement. That's what brings us drawing near and seeing the day draw near. And so for us, we have deep community from hope that is within us. So there's darkness all over, and as we see here, the light outshines the darkness. As we think of this example, there's often things that try to steal this hope, and Martin Luther King is an example of this. He fought against darkness and inequality and so many things in his life, and uh, he, he faced an uphill battle often. And on this topic of hope, he states, we must accept finite disappointment, but never lose infinite hope. There are things that are going to disappoint us, probably daily. It's called life. But infinite hope is different. Infinite hope is resting on Jesus. So as we wrap this up, I know all of you here today run the entire length of the hope scale. If we had a scale of very hopeful over here and no hope at all, all of you would line up in different places depending on where you're at right now. Some of you have not received the free gift yet that we mentioned. So you may be living without hope. Maybe you don't know this Jesus. You never trusted him. So today can be the day. Maybe think about this verse of 1 Peter 1.3 that we talked about way back in the start of our series in 1 Peter Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. You can know that living hope today. If you are here without hope, trust in Jesus. It is far beyond any hope you can ever have in this world. And it's found in this light that outshines the darkness. Some of you are dealing with major tragedies or trials in your life. You long for this flood of hope to drench your soul, but all it feels like is maybe just a little dripping faucet of hope. Well, maybe I can encourage you this way to find strength from the psalmist who writes in Psalm 42:5, Why are you cast down on my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. The psalmist is in difficulty. He's in the middle of it. But he looks ahead to say, again, I will praise you. Again, I will praise you. And think about this turmoil that we go through, and it made me think of uh, Thanksgiving again this past week, being around the table, this huge table, my whole family there, and uh, we had some people go around and share what they were thankful for, and what's interesting is my nephew shared, and he's not one to speak out and speak up much, but this time he actually did, and everyone was kind of surprised, and what he said was, he's just, you can see something different about him uh, in his countenance and in what he, he's doing. He's in his first year of college and has gotten in with some really godly friends. And they've pushed him to know Jesus more, something he's grown up around. But he said, I was in a deep, dark place at this camp I was working at and I was in the kitchen working, just working hard and really didn't feel very pumped about it. And I was encouraged to just write a few things down. So I thought, I'll just write some Thanksgiving down, two or three sentences, I'll be done. And he said, two pages later, I was still writing. This is a young man, like 19 years old. But he found that Thanksgiving led to praise, led to see him, to, for him to see that hope. So regularly practicing these things help us. Some of you are in the middle. One day is full of hope, next your hope is gone. Let me repeat what the psalmist chose to repeat in Psalm 42, what we just read, now in verse 11, again in 43.5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Some of you have taken the concept of hope for granted. You just fill it with other things that you hope will give you hope, right? So Black Friday shopping, please don't tell me you put hope in that. Some of you may have. Surfing online, I don't know, connecting with people by scrolling. You find hope in other things and you continually go to, I mean, it's like, it's like going to eat greasy food, hoping to get healthy, right? You just go back to the same restaurant And it really doesn't do anything for you. It makes you feel worse. And that's what we do with temporary hope. We just go to it over and over again, expecting a different result. I think some call it insanity. I think someone did, right? But that's what happens for us. Some of you have been enlightened today by the Spirit to the true measure of hope, Jesus Christ. Take time to further meditate on this fact. Psalm 46.10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. There is no lasting hope except the hope found in Jesus. Some of you are on your phones right now ordering lunch. I need you to put that phone away and look up here and listen. If someone's on their phone next to you, give them an elbow. I'll wait. I want you to listen to this. Listen to this. There is no lasting hope except the hope that is found in Jesus. He is ours. We are his forever. Do you hear me? There is no lasting hope except the hope that's found in Jesus and some of you out there, man, I feel bad for you because you're gonna continue to look for hope in other things. Some of you young people out there are trying to fill up with this stuff that your parents are trying to tell you is worthless and you ignore them because you know better, right? Let me tell you very clearly, I was there too and it's hopeless and worthless. Please know and hear me today, there is no lasting hope except for the hope found in Jesus. Let's pray. God, we are thankful. There is nothing really we can do except thank you. There's no performance. Lord, we can work, and we're called to work. We're called to show that we are believers through our actions. But God, we have no hope without you. All our works are like filthy rags compared to your glory. But God, I pray for people in this room right now that don't know you, that don't have this hope, that they will know that in their seat right now they can call on your name. They can confess their sin and trust in you as their Savior. Lord, for those who have lost hope because of tragedy, I pray that you'll give them a new measure of hope that is way beyond anything they could imagine. Lord, for those of us that maybe have hope, but we really, it's kind of been shadowed by the things of this world, I pray that you will break through that sin, break through those barriers we've set up for people to be able to see the hope in us, I pray that over this Christmas season coming up that people will be able to see the hope that lies in the members of Temple Bible Church and that they will ask how in the world can you face this this way and that we will be able to give an answer. The only answer that's possible which is you, Jesus. Lord, work in our hearts as we continue this worship time in singing together. In your name we pray, amen.